to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. I genuinely feel like it's my honor to be here with you. I love this church. I've only known it for one year, but every time I drive up, I just feel excited for what God is going to do. You know, this isn't something that's happening everywhere in the world. You do know that. The life and the health and the strength to look out at churches with multiple services, multiple locations, it's pretty incredible what God is doing. And uh, so don't take it for granted. And don't ever take your senior pastors for granted because... Having got to know them this year, one of the reasons this church is so great is because they're so great. Not only are they rock solid spiritually, but also incredibly smart. Their heart for people is known around this nation. People talk about Paul and Jeannie and their hearts because they're pastor pastors as well. So come on, why don't you show your appreciation? Thank God for them. We love you guys too, Rachel and I, and we mean that. You know, that, that line, I didn't know you'd written it, but here comes something new. It got my attention in the first service, but really it's, it's as if, wow, that, that's like a word. That's something, there's something significant. Here comes something new. How many knows our nation is looking for something new? They are fed up with religion. They're fed up with politicians. They are looking for something new. And do you know what? One of the keys to getting more new in your life is to make sure you steward the new that he's already given you. It's really important that we steward the new, the the new people that walk in, that they don't just want a course or a program, they want to get to know people. So be be on on the lookout, on the radar for new people. Invite someone around to your house. If the students that are new in in town, then take them home and feed them. That's all they need, (laughs) food. All right, but here comes something new. The way you steward the new that God gives you this year will determine what he entrusts to you next year. So who's up for something new in their hearts and lives? So come on, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that that's more than just a song. It is a declaration. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this service. We thank you for what you're going to do through Rise and Build. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do through the conference. Lord, our hearts are open and we welcome and we invite the new. And God, would we steward everything new that you give us with diligence and with application. And so Lord, we give this message to you, this time to you. This is your church. It's your people and your word. So speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And why don't we give him one more round of applause for his goodness and for his grace. Give someone a high five. Tell them your pin number and grab your seats. And thank you, team. I want to start with a question. Icon Church, do you consider that you are a cruise ship church or a battleship church? Do you consider that you as a believer are a cruise ship believer or a battleship believer? On the 21st of October, 1805, Admiral Lord Nelson sailed into battle aboard HMS Victory against the combined might of the French and Spanish Navies. The odds were stacked against him. He was outnumbered by 30,000 men to the English's 
17,000. They faced impossible odds. As the two fleets drew closer, anxiety began to build among the officers and the sailors. The fate of England rested on an unlikely hero, the son of a vicar from Norfolk. He entered the Navy aged 12. And nearly all of his life, he suffered from violent seasickness. He was wounded several times in combat. He lost his right eye at the age of 36 in Corsica. and lost his right arm when he was 40. He was small in stature, only five foot five, but he was a giant when it came to physical courage. When he lost his right arm in battle, it was removed in an operation undertaken without anaesthetic. Ow. As a child, he's reputed to have said to his grandmother, fear. I never saw fear. What is that? Aboard HMS Victory, they sailed into the Battle of Trafalgar. One British soldier wrote, it was evident that the fate of England rested on this battle. If Nelson was to lose, it was certain that Napoleon Bonaparte would invade England and we'd all be saying bonjour and eating snails and frogs' legs. And we've never liked being ruled by Europe, have we? (laughs) 11.45 as the battleships engaged each other in the Battle of Trafalgar, Nelson sent the famous flag signal. England expects that every man will do his duty. Vice Admiral Collingwood said to his officers, now, gentlemen, let us do something today which the world may talk of hereafter. Icon Church, how awesome would it be to do something today and next week and rise and build that the world will talk of hereafter. Lord Nelson's victory aboard HMS Victory at Trafalgar, Lord Nelson's victory secured his position as unquestionably the greatest military hero Britain has ever produced. He is the personification of heroism. Although Napoleon Bonaparte marched in triumph through many of the great cities of the world, Madrid, Vienna, Warsaw, Berlin, Prague, Amsterdam and Moscow, Lord Nelson ensured he never marched through London. And that's why we view scenes from Trafalgar Square and from the top of it we see Lord Nelson. He was England's guardian. This morning we are going to board that famous battleship, HMS Victory. And together we're going to journey through some of the significant moments in the life of Lord Nelson, so we can truly know what it is to be battleship believers. Are you ready to go on a journey together? All right, number one, battleship believers are assured of the certainty and the totality of victory. At the Battle of Trafalgar, the British ships were vastly outnumbered, but the Franco-Spanish fleet lost 22 ships. Do you know how many the British fleet lost? Zero. It was a comprehensive victory, unknown in naval warfare. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. In July of this year, I was going through WH Smith, as you do. And I saw this and it got my attention, National Geographic History. And it's called Caesar's Triumphs. And in there, there's an article which talks about the original meaning of the word triumph in Roman history. When a Roman general won a great victory, they would apply to the Roman Senate for a victory parade, which was known as a triumph. 
If the Senate deemed their victory was, sufficiently, was not sufficiently comprehensive, the Roman Senate would grant them a lesser parade known as an ovation. So to qualify for a full-blown triumph, a series of conditions had to be met. Number one, the general had to win a major battle. Number two, the general had to comprehensively defeat the enemy with a minimum of 5,000 enemy casualties. And number three, the general's actions had to end the war. So when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God, he didn't say he always leads us in an ovation in Christ. He said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus has won a major battle. The enemy has been comprehensively defeated and his actions ended the war and they assure us a victory. Come on, let's thank him. He always leads us in triumph. Number two, battleship believers lead others in triumph. How many know if that's the way Jesus leads us? How many know that's the way that we should lead others? 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us. Look at the person next to you. Say, through us. Diffuses. The fragrance of his knowledge in every place. If God is always leading us into triumph, that's the way we're to lead others. Victory has a smell. I've got two daughters. One's not competitive at all. One is completely competitive. And so whenever we're playing a game, when it comes to the crunch time, I'll, I'll do this. I'll go, smell that, Merce? And she'll say, what? It says, it's the smell of victory. Oh, it's so good. You've probably never seen. And it just winds her up. And she goes... Hardy, you know victory has a smell. In, uh, in our house, my wife has, we went to Peterhead a few weeks ago and there's a lady called Phyllis Cameron, they're pastors, Paul knows them. And when you walk into the house, you are hit with this beautiful smell. Girls, you would love it, all right? And uh, the reason is, is that she's got loads of these everywhere in her house. They're produced by Yankee Candle. And what you do is you put them on a radiator and when the heat hits them, they diffuse this incredible smell. You can have Tuscan vineyard, you can have apple and cinnamon, but the one I love the most is hope. You know, hope has a smell. Victory has a smell. And through us, Jesus wants to diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of all that he has done. And how many know sometimes our world stinks a little bit? It smells a bit like death and defeat and decay, but through us, we can bring hope, we can bring possibility. We can bring a sound and a smell of victory. Question, when, when things get a little bit hot, what comes out of you? You place these on a radiator and you know you, sometimes you don't tell what's in a person until the heat is turned up. Let's make sure when we're in the middle of the battle that it's the right smell that comes out. Number three, battleship believers know how to celebrate and practice generosity. The most famous Roman triumph recorded in history it was AD 61 and the Roman historian Plutarch, Plutarch talks about the triumph of Pompey the Great. It was a two-day party. He rode into the city of Rome on a golden chariot studded with diamonds. He paraded 300 high-ranking hostages and displayed placards throughout the victory route, boasting that he'd killed 12 million enemies and destroyed 864 enemy warships this was some victory parade 
And as he marched through, the people were gifted parties, banquets and games. But in the middle of it, Pompey the Great, he made a gesture which history still remembers. He gave 1,500 denarii to each of his soldiers that fought with him. It was the equivalent of 10 times their annual salary. So take your salary, times it by 10. It was an act of radical generosity. Because battleship believers aren't intimidated by generosity. We are radically generous. We go over and above. Just think of the opportunity you have next week through Rise and Build. When I went to Brisbane, there's a great pastor there. His name was Steve Dixon. He's actually from Stockport, which is surprising. And he said to me, Steve, you've got to get two things right when you pastor a church. Number one, get the people right. Look after them, care for them. But number two, get the money right. So many churches are restricted by a lack of finance. If only we could do more. Finance will either restrict you or release you into the future that God has for you. And if churches like this are to rise up in our nation and be an answer to the hopelessness that our country is feeling, then we've got to step up as well in giving, in resourcing and making sure that our churches can be all that God has called them to be. I've got a mate in Australia, his name's Joel Cave. He's doing a great job. Started his church six years ago on the Gold Coast in Australia. I know that's a good place to start a church. It's better than Stockport. All right, and uh, he started this church and already in six years, he's got 3,000 people. He planted into Sydney. He's already in less than a year, got 500 people in Sydney and he's started to gather people in Melbourne and uh, they're only in groups at this stage. They're going to go live in January. And so they had a, a gathering of those 180 people a couple of weeks ago. And a man came up to him and said, look, I've, I've been living in New York, even though he was an Aussie. He said, I've just sold my business for 50 million uh, US dollars. I've come back to Melbourne. He says, I'm here. I want to be a part of this church. And so Joel Cave, the pastor, turned to him and said, oh, you want to be a part of our church? Well, we're about to launch. You just made 50 million. What are you going to give to help us launch? He said, Steve, sometimes we'll ask people to step up in leadership or into the choir, but sometimes we're afraid to talk about finance. But how many know building churches requires money? Buildings don't build themselves. And so the next day, he got a call from the bank manager and that guy had gone into the bank account of Glow Church and deposited a significant amount of money. Radical generosity. Church, it's time for us to rise up and trust God in the area of our finances like never before. This offering can catapult you into reaching hundreds and maybe thousands more people. Who knows what God wants to do? We, it's so easy to sing, here comes something new. But what if God wants you to give something new? It's real challenging, isn't it? We, and I, I'm not just talking from a theoretical. Next week at Soul Church, we're doing our miracle offering as well. And we need eight million pounds. We got 3.5. We still got a long way to go. But how many know God is able? Come on, He's doing it. He's doing it. Number four, battleship believers speak the language of victory. Nelson inspired his troops with those famous words. England expects. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I always find it interesting you go to the doctors, I've got something wrong and you feel it too. And the first thing they do is say, open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Tell a lot about a person's health by their tongue. Your words can inspire people to victory or condemn them to defeat. 
How do you use your tongue? Does your tongue inspire people? President Kennedy, when he presented Churchill with an honorary American citizenship, he said this, he mobilized the English language and sent it into battle on behalf of a nation at peril. But he was actually plagiarizing, don't do this students. A quote made by Edward R. Murrow, who commented in 1940 when Churchill took office and Britain faced down certain defeat. Murrow wrote this, now the hour has come for him to mobilize the English language and send it into battle. A spearhead of hope for Britain and the world. It lifted the hearts of an island of people when they stood alone. How great would it be if our words in our schools and businesses and families and communities were a spearhead of hope and possibility and victory. We speak a different language, church. Language of victory. Make sure it lifts people. Focus on what God can do rather than what we can't. How fluent are you in the language of victory? See, I'm a northern lad. So I'm English, so by nature I am hardwired to be a bit depressed. I don't know whether you think that, but we are a negative bunch, are we not? If people tell me something, can, something we should do, I can instantly tell you all the reasons why it won't work. I, I have got this default setting. So when I went to Australia, I had to, I had to rewire the way my brain thinks. If you'd have asked me before I went to Australia, how are you, how are you Steve? I would have said something like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Or, oh, I'm not so bad under the circumstances. What the heck are we doing under the circumstances? Since when were we called to live under the circumstances? So now if people says, how are you, Steve? I don't say, oh, not so bad. Oh, I've been better. I say, sensational. And you should see people at Tesco's. They say, how are you? I'm I'm sensational. How are you? Their eyes pop out of their head. It's a conversation starter. And so I've learned to change my language because there's life and death in the power of your tongue. The word gospel in Greek is the word evangelion, from which we get the English word evangelism. And we don't really understand this word in our Western culture, but if you were to live in Rome back in the day, if you were in Tesco's or Primani, you'd be in there and then all of a sudden somebody would burst into the town centre and they they would start to shout, good news, good news, or gospel, gospel. And everybody would file out of of Costa and Starbucks and they'd stand around and listen to what the herald had said because the herald had been to the battlefront where the Roman armies had been fighting and sons and daughters had been in war and they would come back and give a report because there was no Facebook and no Instagram. So they'd say, good news, good news. And everyone would listen and they would tell the story of how a battle had been won and the enemy had been defeated. Church, if ever there was a time when we should be going into the marketplaces and saying, good news, good news, it is today. How many know people want to hear good news? It's life and death. The power of your tongue. The power of your tongue. HMS Victory was an incredible ship. You can go and see her in Portsmouth. She's... The only lineup battleship that has lasted from that period of history. She's 250 years of age, the only one in the world. She survived the Battle of Trafalgar where she was hit over 90 times. Hitler bombed her and the bomb slipped between where she was in the dock in Portsmouth and where the ship was. It landed right next to her and blew up and she survived that. 
There's only one thing that's nearly sunk HMS Victory, and it's this. The Death Watch Beetle. The 1950s, the Death Watch Beetle nearly sunk HMS Victory. It's a little tiny beetle, you can see it, and it lives on Deadwood. And it's famous because if you're in the country late at night in an old building, if you stop the TV and the stereo, you'll hear this little sound. It's the sound of a death watch people. And in superstition, it's said that if you hear that sound, because it lives on things that are dead, be careful, you're about to die. And we are positive people, the English. But it's amazing that this little beetle nearly destroyed HMS Victory. You know, sometimes in our churches, the Death Watch beetle, little bits of gossip, whisper, rumors, often it comes from dead wood. People who are no longer contributing, bringing life, serving, giving, but they're talking about the pastor. Spreading rumors about people. Be very careful of the Death Watch beetle. You know, we're called to be on a battleship, not a cruise ship. On a cruise ship, you can, you can talk about what happened last night in the cabin next door. Ooh, they had pinnacle. You should have heard what happened in that. You can do that when you're on a cruise ship. But you don't do it when you're on a battleship. When they're your mates and your life depends on them. When you're on a cruise ship... You hear the sound come over the tannoy and this is your captain speaking. At 3.45, you can go and play Skittles on the quarter deck and you think, so what? I'm having a sleep. I'm not moving. Somebody get me another drink. When you're on a battleship and the captain speaks, you better listen. You honour leadership. You honour people. Make sure when you speak about leaders, if you know this much information, just remember they they may know this much. And make sure you're not criticizing them for a decision when you only know a part, your part. Often there's a lot more goes on that you're not aware of. Let's make sure that with our tongues we speak life, we honor, we lift up, we speak well of leaders, well of each other. We praise, we encourage, we see the best and not the worst. Come on, are you ready to do that, church? I know you are and I know you do. Number five, battleship leaders. Well, let me jump to number six. We are battleship believers on a flagship battleship. Within the British Navy, there was a rating system for battleships. You'd be given one of three grades. You'd be third rate, second rate, or first rate battleship. To qualify as a first rate battleship, you needed to have 100 guns, and HMS Victory had 112. She was a first rate battleship. But even then, there was one ship that stood out from all of the first rates, and that was the flagship And that's what HMS Victory was. She was a flagship. To qualify as a flagship, you had to be a little bit bigger. You needed a space where the captains from all of the other ships in the fleet could come and sit down and you would talk to the admiral and they would come up with a strategy and they would signal via the flagship to all the other ships in the fleet. Now I really believe that God has called your church Icon church, not to be third rate, second rate, not even first rate. I genuinely believe God has raised you up to be a flagship in our nation. I genuinely believe that. 
And I believe that in the future, pastors and leaders are gonna come from far and wide. They're gonna come from the nations of the earth to look and see what God has done here and to learn and to go back and to see that life flow into their churches. But listen, with that privilege of being a flagship comes a responsibility. Because the flagship is a little bit bigger, it means you've got to think a little bit bigger. You've got to serve a little harder. You've got to be making sure you're giving a little bit bigger. Because everything on a flagship is a little bit bigger. You know, when you're on a cruise ship, everybody serves you. You kick back, you enjoy life and people bring you stuff. When you're on a battleship, you serve others. You serve the vision. You serve the nation. We are called to be a flagship. So are you contributing in the life of the church? Maybe there was a time when you once were, but how easy is it for routine to kick in and you kind of start slinking back to a cruise ship mentality? It's more about what the church does for you than for what you can do for the church. Maybe it's time for some of you to step up in serving, in leadership. Maybe some of you in your tithing, get get that standing order set up. If we want a flagship, it's here comes something new. You know, to go where you've, no, you've never gone, you've got to do things you've never done. I believe this is a flagship church. Number seven, battleship believers. This is important. You may get wounded, but we never develop a wounded spirit. HMS victory in the Battle of Trafalgar was hit 96 times by the enemy. I can't promise you on a flagship that you won't get hit. And we know in any organisation where there's people, you're going to get hit. But just because she got hit, it didn't sink her. And you may get wounded in the life of a church like you will in any human organisation. But just because you get wounded, never develop a wounded spirit. Psalm, Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? If you've been wounded on the inside, make sure you talk to someone. Talk to the right people. Talk to your leaders. Then lastly, it's becoming a landership. Battleship leaders practice humility. You still with me? I like this bit. I reckon I've saved the best point to last, so get ready. 21st of October, 1805, as Lord Nelson sailed into battle aboard HMS Victory. He literally saved the nation from certain invasion by Napoleon. But I didn't give you one highly significant detail. At eight o'clock in the morning, Lord Nelson went down to his cabin in HMS Victory. He knelt down and he wrote the following prayer. May the great God whom I worship grant to my country and for the benefit of Europe in general, a great and glorious victory. And may humanity after victory be the predominant feature in the British fleet. For myself, I commit my life to Him who made me. Amen, amen, amen. As battleship believers, we're gonna win this battle through prayer for our nation. And I think God is stirring up a new passion for prayer. At 11.48 a.m., while the drums began to beat the call to action, as the decks on HMS Victory were being prepared to ensure they were less slippery for when the blood started to flow, Lord Nelson ordered the famous signal, England expects. The Battle of Trafalgar was a truly terrifying experience. 
4,716 cannons, firing 32 pound cannonballs made of iron. It took 12 men to fire a gun. It would project these things 1.3 miles. But at Trafalgar, there was less than 50 feet between the ships. Those cannonballs crashed in to the wooden ships. Shrapnel went everywhere and killed men instantly. Fires broke out. 95% of the Englishmen couldn't even swim. They faced death and terror that we have never experienced. Nelson stepped out onto the deck. His HMS Victory engaged in battle. On his bright red uniform were four silver stars that were sewn on. It was as if he invited the fire of the enemy. The French sniper's lead ball, 0.69 inches in diameter, pierced his left shoulder and knocked him to the ground. It ruptured his spine, ruptured an artery, and he bled to death. A slow and painful death. As he lay dying, he said, Thank God, I have done my duty. He closed his eyes and at 3.30 spoke his last words. God and my country. Nelson's body was placed in a cask of brandy, mixed with myrrh, returned to England. Exhausted though victorious soldiers reported a strange combination of joy and loss. Henry Blackwood reported, I found Lord Nelson at the gasp of death. Thank God he lived to know that such victory never before was granted. As battleship believers, may we always remember the completeness of our victory, but the means by which it was achieved. Such victory never before was granted. As you look to the screens, it was accomplished through the death, the willing sacrifice of our Lord. Not Lord Nelson, but the Lord Jesus Christ, who being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted Him and given Him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Friend, Jesus came to this earth. He invited the enemy fire. He died on a cross because it was the only way for humanity to get right with God. And maybe you're here this morning and you're new. A friend brought you or you thought you were going to a marathon and you ended up here. However you came to be here, it's not an accident, friend. God knows you and He loves you. Maybe you thought being a Christian was about all the things that you have to do, the rules, the regulations. Friend, it's not about what you have to do. It's all about what He has done, what He has done for you. And he wants to come into your life. He will forgive you of your past. He'll give you meaning and purpose for your today and an incredible hope for your tomorrow. You say, Steve, how do I get right with God? It's really easy. You say a prayer. You invite Him in. Maybe you once walked with Him. But if you're really honest this morning, you're in church and you know deep down 
you're not in a right relationship with God. The good news for you, friend, is He still loves you and He still wants to come in and be number one. And you too can pray that prayer and get right with God. It's the greatest decision you can make. The greatest honour we can have is to pray for you. So I'm going to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads because there's a private moment between you and God, friend. And I'm going to ask if anyone wants to get right with God, I'm going to count to three and then ask you just to raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it, then you can put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out, but I would love to pray with you. Is that okay? So friend, maybe this is your moment. So why don't we all bow our heads, close our eyes, all across this room, the front to the back. God loves you, friend. Whether this is for the first time or this morning, you know you need to get right with Him. When I count to three, if you want to get right with God, then simply raise your hand. Are you ready? All across this room. One, two, three. That's it, lift it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Anyone else? Come on, maybe your heart's beating a little quicker. You just raise your hand. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Thank you, sweetheart. Beautiful. Come on, let's all pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank You that You love me. I know I don't deserve it and I can't earn it. But I invite You in to my heart. Would You forgive me of my past and give me a new start And with Your help and strength, I'm gonna live for You from this moment forward. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. As Pastor Paul comes, come on, why don't we give those people the biggest round of applause. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.